there is no substitute for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Each weekday on Enjoying the Journey, Scott Pauley leads us in a brief study of Scripture. Today, on the Weekend Pulpit, we are happy to share a full-length Bible message given through Scott's pulpit ministry. These messages were recorded live in a local church or gospel event in recent days. It is our prayer that the message will be a help to you today. Let's open the Word of God together, would you please, to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. This is one of Paul's letters, of course, and it is, I think, one of the richest and fullest of all that he wrote. And before we are done this week, I hope you'll agree with me on that, not for my word's sake, because that's the actual emphasis of Scripture. Ephesians, somebody's talking to me over there, that's good, tell them I said hello. Yeah, these phones like to read the Bible to us sometimes, I understand that. Ephesians has been called the queen of the epistles. That's an interesting term, isn't it? The queen of the epistles. The queen of the letters of Paul. And I think on reflection, part of the reason for that is because this is the letter that introduces us to the king, and that's the Lord Jesus. Ephesians is great not because of Paul. Ephesians is great not because of the people at Ephesus. Ephesians is great because of Jesus. The thing that makes this day great is not you being here or me being here. It is that the Lord Jesus is among us. And the great thing about any church in any place is the presence of Christ in that place. Ephesians is interesting because it reaches all the way down where we are. Anybody else glad he reaches down where we are? But it doesn't leave us there. Ephesians lifts us all the way up to where God is. Ephesians lifts us into the heavenlies. Let's, let's start with the church vote. How many of you would like to sit in the heavenlies this week? Yes? Well, I want you to know in Ephesians, we, we learn that you don't just get to sit in the heavenlies in special meetings. You can sit in the heavenlies every day in the person of Jesus Christ. Look at Ephesians 1, verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints. <laughs> Are there any saints here today? I'm looking, looking, looking. Any saints here today? How many of you think the person next to you is a saint? How many of you think you're a saint? How many of you are afraid to vote? Saint is not what you say you are. Saint is not what somebody else thinks you are. Saint is what God declares you to be. See, there's a name that your family gave you. That's your, that's your last name. There's a name that your parents gave you. That's your first name. And there is the name your friends gave you growing up. That's your nickname. You know that name, right? But there is a name that only God can give you. And when you come and have your sins forgiven, you don't earn it. You don't work your way towards it. You don't take it to yourself. The Lord, I love this, stamps saint right on your record. He makes you one of his own. And so we don't read this lightly. No, we read it joyfully. And we, we don't say it flippantly. We say it meaningfully. I belong to Jesus and he belongs to me. And so that puts me in this category of the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. I love the fact he's writing to an individual church, but it's not just for that one church. It's for all the faithful in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 2. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father 
and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. You're not accepted because of you. You're accepted because of Jesus. You don't stretch your way into the throne room of heaven. You don't prance your way into the presence of a holy God. You come boldly through the merit and mercy of Jesus Christ alone. And so we're introduced to this amazing book of Ephesians. I wish we had time to spend 40 days in it. I really do. Because in 40 days, even then you couldn't exhaust it. But we could pick apart every verse and, and every, every chapter. We don't have time to do that this week. So if you'll permit me, I want to zero in really on a truth. It's a truth that is repeated throughout the book of Ephesians. And it is the truth of God's fullness in our lives. We're living in an empty world right now. In fact, everywhere I travel, I'm meeting people who seem so very empty. And we're full of everything except for God. We have full hands, full bank accounts, full, full houses, full brains. We're full. And yet at the same time, like Solomon, we stand and we say, oh, all of it is vanity and all of it is vexation of spirit. We're we're full of knowledge and full of ideas and full of resources. We, we are perhaps the fullest generation and the emptiest that has ever lived. Because somewhere in the midst of it all, we have missed Jesus. We've missed the one who alone brings the fullness of Almighty God to us. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you about the fullness of God, and tomorrow night, about the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and the last night, about the fullness of the church. But we're going to begin today where God begins, because you can't know the fullness of the church and the fullness of the Spirit and the fullness of God without knowing the fullness of Jesus Christ. And Ephesians chapter 1 is all about Jesus. May I tell you why it's all about Jesus? Because you can't get to God any other way. There is no other way. There's no way to be full apart from the Lord himself. Skip to the end of the chapter. Let's, let's start at the end and work our way back, all right? Look how the chapter ends. Verse number 22, speaking about Jesus. God hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now look at verse 23. In fact, don't just look at it, read it. Would you, would you get verse 23 in front of you? And I want you to read it out loud with me. Read it with lots of heart. Ready? which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Oh, I love that. Take your pen out. Mark the last phrase of verse number 23. Now, look, we, we get to enjoy the fullness. That's what he says about the church. We, we have the fullness of him. Aren't you glad God made it so you don't have to live and die empty? You can live full, die full, and go to glory and be filled with God for eternity. That's pretty good, isn't it? But I want you to see this. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus because this is not about the church. This is about the Christ of the church. Look at the last phrase of verse number 23. It is the fullness of him, get it please, that filleth 
all in all. I don't know your need today. There's a variety of people in this room. There are men and women. There are young and old. There are church people and non-church people. Uh, there are people in all different stages and seasons of life and all different spiritual conditions. But I came to tell you this morning on the authority of the Word of God that whatever the empty place in your soul, only Jesus Christ can fill it. Only Christ can make you whole. In Acts chapter 18, the Apostle Paul showed up in Ephesus for the first time. When he showed up there, it was a booming, bustling metropolis. In fact, hundreds of thousands of people, we think, by the time of Paul, were living in, in Ephesus. This was a place where people wanted to be. And so it was full of people. Everywhere you turn, it was full of people. And it was a trade city, so it was full of money. There was lots of resources. There were lots of things in the city. And it held one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. It was a temple that was magnificent. It was a temple to Artemis, the goddess Diana. And people came, even those who didn't worship, they came from all over the world to view this amazing wonder and to stand in awe at the architecture and the size and scope of it all. It was a city that was full of religion and full of culture and full of society and full of everything but God. And when the Apostle Paul showed up, he didn't come to add to their fullness. He came to tell them why they were empty on the inside. And he came to bring the only message that brings the fullness of God to us. And that is the one that fills all in all. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so when he writes to this group of believers in Ephesians chapter 1, that's where he begins and that's where we must begin. Let me show you three or four truths today, and they all come from this opening chapter and from the very words of Scripture. Let me show you the first thing he's full of. Would you look back to verse number 2? The last words of verse 1 are Christ Jesus. But what is the first word of verse 2? Would you say it out loud, church? I love that word. Can I tell you why I love that word? Because I'm a sinner. I may be a dressed-up sinner, but I'm just a sinner. I may be the sinner that gets to preach today, but I want you to know I'm just a sinner. And I'm looking at a whole bunch of other dressed-up sinners sitting in a church house today. And do you know what sinners need? They need grace. They need it. You need it. Maybe you came today thinking you knew what your need is. I'm telling you right now what your first need is. Everybody's first need is grace because every good thing God ever does always starts with a work of grace, not a work we do for Him, but a work He does in us. Grace doesn't come from man to God. Grace comes from God to man. In fact, look at verse number 2. He says, grace be to you and peace. Notice the divine order. I'm telling you, this world right now is at war. It's at war with itself. It's at war with God. There's never been so much strife and contention and conflict as we're living in at this moment. And I'm not just talking about military things around the world. Turn the news on and look at social media and look around at your neighbors in the community. People fussing and fighting and feuding everywhere. This world desperately needs peace. But it will never have peace apart from the grace of Jesus Christ. See, people want to skip the grace and get the peace. I want you to know that's why people are going to believe in the Antichrist when he steps on the page of human history. 
because he's going to offer them peace. But you don't miss this, please. The Antichrist can offer you a short-term peace, but only the Christ can offer you the grace and peace that comes from Almighty God. And the beautiful truth is that when you get the grace of Jesus, you get the peace of Jesus. You get peace with God, and you get the peace of God to rule and reign on the inside. Oh, I tell you today, my Lord Jesus Christ is full of grace. In fact, Paul's not the first to say this. Hold your place here just a second. We're coming right back. Don't lose your spot. Go back a few pages in your Bible to the gospel according to John. Go to John chapter 1. Because this most famous of the gospel record says the same thing. Listen to one of the early disciples, the one who leaned on Jesus' breast at supper and knew him as well as anybody. Listen to John in John 1 verse number 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. I was sitting there a moment ago looking at that verse and something dawned on me. In the first part of the verse, we see his glory. In the last part of the verse, we see his grace. Do you understand that his glory is what he always had in heaven, but we would never have known his glory on earth had it not been apart from his grace? It was the grace of Jesus that brought the glory of God down to sinful, fallen humanity. And when Jesus came, he didn't come full of better ideas and nice speeches and good works. He came full of the grace and truth of Almighty God. Look down to verse number 16. And of His fullness. Would you mark in verse 14 the word full? Would you mark in verse 16 the word fullness? Remember, He is the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. And of His fullness have all we received. What did we receive, church? Grace for grace. Literally grace on top of grace on top of grace on top of grace. Forty-one years ago, a lady gave me the gospel. And on that day, I experienced the good grace of Jesus. He saved me. There's a lot I didn't know, but he saved me. And can I tell you what my story has been from that day to this? It has been the story of grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And the only reason I'm here today, the only reason you are here today is because of the grace of God. And the only reason you can ever come to God is because Jesus came full of the grace of God to us. Go back to Ephesians chapter number 1. Let me show you something. I showed you in verse number 2, it's grace first and then peace, right? In, in Israel now, even, even to this present day, they'll walk up and they'll say, Shalom, Shalom, Shalom. You know why that is? Everybody says, peace to you, peace to you, peace to you, peace to you. Jesus came and he didn't say Shalom. He said, grace and Shalom. Well, I love this. He didn't begin with a peace. He began with a grace. Some of you got such conflict in your home. It's it's splitting up. Some of you got such a, such a battle going on in your mind and in your heart. You're fighting against yourself and fighting against God. And you're trying to figure out how to have a little peace. Maybe a pill will give you a little peace. Maybe a new boat or a bigger house will give you a little peace. Maybe a vacation. That's what we need. Get a little peace. No, what you need is Jesus Christ. Because when you get an experience of the grace of Jesus, He brings all the peace of God into your heart. But look at the end of verse number 2. It's from God our Father 
Remember what James said, every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights. But don't miss the last part of verse number 2. It is also from the Lord Jesus Christ. Why not just say God? Why say it's from the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ? Because the Father is the one who sends the grace and Jesus is the one who delivers it. I love that. The Father is the giver and Christ himself is the gift of the grace of God to us. Come down to verse number 6. When I stop, you say the next word. Ready? Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His. Here it is again. Look at verse number 7. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His. You see all the dimensions of the grace of God here? There's the length of His grace. In verse number 2, it comes all the way to you. To you, you people on the balcony, aren't you glad the grace of Jesus reaches to the balcony? Everybody glad for that, yes? All you people on the back row, everybody on the front row, and everybody right here on the platform, it reaches to you. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. The grace of God is so long, it is reaching for sinners at this moment, wherever they are. And then look at the height of grace. It brings us to God all the way into the heavenlies. And look at, the, look at the breadth of the grace. It's the riches of His grace. How, how much grace does He have? Well, He owns it all, so it's all the riches of our God. It is heaven's bank account that you have access to. And what is the depth of His grace? The depth of His grace is it comes down and it gives redemption and forgiveness of sins. Yesterday morning, I had to think when it was, early yesterday morning, about Four o'clock in the morning in Texas, I was riding in a car headed to the airport trying to get home. And a man picked me up, and I tried to engage people in conversation about the Lord. And uh, I wanted to talk to him about Christ, but before I could get there, he found out why I was in Texas and what I'd been doing. And he launched into a conversation about religion. And frankly, I was telling my wife a little bit about it earlier. He, he's a religious man. He's lost. He's a lost man. Uh, but he staunchly believes what he believes. And uh, without even knowing me or so much as really, really listening, he launched into a certain attack. And uh, interestingly enough, I don't know if I've ever had that happen before, he, at 4 o'clock in the morning, he was trying to convert me. You know what it all boiled down to? He believes lots of things, but he doesn't know Jesus. He just doesn't know Jesus. I said to the man, I said, do you believe Jesus is enough? Yeah, well, I, I acknowledge certain things about Jesus, but, wait a minute, there's no but. There, there, look, you can't add anything to the grace of Jesus, and you sure better not take anything away from the grace of Jesus. It is Christ plus nothing, minus nothing, because only Jesus is full of grace. Let me tell you what I am, full of sin. And don't you look at me so pious, you're full of sin too. Because that's our old nature, we're corrupt to our core, like the cancer of humanity, it runs in our bloodstream. We want what is wrong, not what is right. We, we do what is evil, not what is good. There is none that doeth good, there is none righteous. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I'll tell you what we all need, we all need a Savior who is full of grace. Aren't you glad Jesus is full of grace? There's a second thing He's full of, He is full of glory. 
See, the grace and the glory in Scripture are always connected because through the grace you enter into the glory. Would you mark it in your Bible in verse 6? To the praise of the glory of His grace. Look at it again in verse 12. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Look at verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. Glory, glory, glory. It's all found in Jesus. And all the praise goes to God. See, if you can figure it out and if you can fix it on your own, guess who gets the glory? You do. And there's a whole lot of people patting themselves on the back this morning and praising their way through life, praising themselves. And God says that's not what it's about at all. It's about you becoming nothing and realizing Jesus is everything. It's about you acknowledging your need and the divine sufficiency. And when that happens, God alone gets the glory for it. Jesus now has a name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the what? Glory of God the Father. See, there's a glory he will not share. He said, I won't share my glory with anybody because God is God and we are not. That's deep, isn't it? Jesus is full of grace and he is full of glory. As I was reading, meditating this week, I came down in my study to verse number 18, and I don't know how I missed this, but this just jumped off the page at me. Because when you read verse 6 and verse 12 and verse 14, it's all to the praise of His glory, to the praise of His glory, to the praise of His glory. But look at verse number 18. Here's what Paul says. He said, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling. And, don't miss the end of verse 18, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And this dawned on me this week. There is a glory that God alone receives. There is a glory that God alone has. There is a glory that God alone is worthy of. But I'm glad to tell you this morning, there is a glory that he allows us to be made partakers of. There is a glory that he brings us into. Oh, I love this. Jesus opened heaven's door and left the door open behind him. Jesus said, would you like to know God? Would you, would, you like to, would you like to know the wisdom of God? Would you like to understand the purposes of God? Would you like to enjoy uh, meaningful living now and hope for eternity? Would you like the joy of the Lord? Would you like to know real love? Would you like peace? Would you like all of this and more? Oh, yes, yes, a thousand times yes. Jesus said, come on this way, right this way, please. Because through the door of grace, we enter in to know the glory of our great God. And I want to tell you this morning, there is nothing more fulfilling than knowing God. Do you really know Him? I think one of the saddest things I see, Pastor, in my travels are people who know church and don't know Jesus. They know the Bible and don't know Jesus. They know lots of Christians and don't know Jesus. Just a few months ago, I was in a meeting in this state different part of the state, and on Sunday morning at the end of the meeting, a fine, well-dressed man from the back of the building with his Bible in his hand got up and came forward and shook the pastor's hand and said to the pastor, the pastor said to me, he said, I don't know in all these years I've ever seen that man move for anything. And he said to the pastor, he said, Pastor, I've been in this church for decades, but I've never been born again. And he said, I want to know Jesus. And he was wonderfully saved. 
And my heart cries out this morning when I think about people who sit in church houses on days like today and hear about Christ but never enter into the glory of the riches of His inheritance in the saints. I came to tell you that our Father is rich beyond compare and His perfect Son, the only begotten Son, the only beloved Son has made a way so that you can know God as your Father and come into the family. And when you get the Father and you get the family, you get the divine fortune you get the riches of almighty God Christ is full of glory do you know him a few weeks ago I was traveling back from Louisiana I was actually going to another meeting I left Louisiana on a Wednesday afternoon trying to get to Wilmington Delaware preach flight was delayed and they always are I landed in Charlotte and had to make a tight connection I got my carry-on bag and a briefcase traveling light and running for my life ran to the gate made it how many of you know that's a good feeling yes I made it looked up at the screen Wilmington that's me got on the plane sat down they pushed back taxied out took off businessman young businessman next to me by the window we started talking and found out he was from not far from where I live and found out what he did for a living, found out he was a Christian. Matter of fact, he talked to me about the man on the previous flight who needed Jesus. He said, would you pray for Thomas? He said, I talked to him the whole last flight. He needs Jesus. That was a blessing to me. And then I said to him, well, where are you headed to? He said, I'm meeting my family at the beach. I said, that's nice. And I thought, the beach. About that time, the intercom came on and the pilot said, uh, the short flight today, ladies and gentlemen, will be, we'll be landing in 32 minutes. And I thought, 32 minutes? What kind of plane am I on? It's, it's longer than 32 minutes from Charlotte to Wilmington, Delaware. And then I got a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach. There was a flight attendant that I talked to already, and she was next to me. And I, I turned around and I said to her, I said, uh, I started laughing. She knew I fly all the time. <laughs> I said, can I ask you a dumb question? She said, Sure. I said, where are we going to? She said, Wilmington. I said, I know that. Which Wilmington? She said, Wilmington, North Carolina. Do you know what the airport code for Wilmington, Delaware is? I-L-G. Do you know what the airport code for Wilmington, North Carolina is? I-L-M. Who is the moron that came up with that? And at 8.30 at night, Pastor, on a Wednesday night, I'm standing in the Wilmington, North Carolina airport. It is shut down. There's nobody working, nobody there, no place to go, a long ways from Wilmington, Delaware. And for a moment, I felt sick, and then I just started laughing. I couldn't help but laugh. All because I thought I knew where I was going. One letter makes a difference. Did you know that? Now, one little, one little thing makes the difference. Look, please. There are going to be people that know all about God and all about Jesus, but they don't really know Him. And because they miss the grace, they're going to miss the glory. Oh, dear ones, don't miss Jesus. There's a third thing He's full of. In fact, He's full of every perfection of God. Look at, look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of His will, According to his good pleasure. 
which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Would you write down somewhere that our Christ is not only full of grace and full of glory, he is full of all goodness. You might mark this word good in your Bible. His, his good pleasure and His good plan. His perfect wisdom and His perfect will. Everything about Jesus is good. A man said to me this week, who's from a, a beautiful southern city in our United States, he said to me, I, I've grown up there. He said, four generations of my family have grown up there. He said, but sir, the, the city has changed. The area has changed. I said, tell me about that. He said, there's just a lack of goodness now. Interesting, isn't it? He said, you used to just be good people and, and, and a good place to live. He said, but now there's so much wickedness and evil. He said, there's a lack of goodness today. May I tell you why that is? Because this is what man does. Look, we take every good thing and we corrupt it. This is what the devil does. He gives you all of his best up front and it's all downhill from there. This is what sin does. It never gets better on its own. It always gets worse. Only Jesus is full of true goodness. In fact, turn over, just turn over a page, would you? Come to chapter 4 with me. We'll come back to this chapter later this week. Look at verse 10. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might, mark this in your Bible, fill all things. Jesus from heaven is the only one, the ascended Lord, who can fill every good thing into our hearts and into his church. Turn over a few more pages. Come to Colossians just a minute. Did you know Colossians is the parallel letter to Ephesians? Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 19. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. It's all in Jesus. What are you looking for, sir? Ma'am, what are you waiting on? It's all in Jesus. What's your heart cry out for? What? What's the great need of your, of your heart or your home today? It's all in Jesus. All the fullness is in Him. You're in Colossians still? Look at chapter 2 and verse number 9. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. <laughs> all of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Every good thing that finds its fountain in our good God is revealed in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every good thing now and every good thing for eternity because only Christ is full of goodness. One more and I'll stop. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and notice again how the chapter ends. Verse number 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to the working of His mighty power. Would you make a note somewhere that Christ is not only full of grace and glory and goodness, Christ is full of greatness. We say people are great. No man is great. Only Jesus is great. In verse number 19, you have the extension of His power, of His great power. It's to those who believe. In verse 20, you've got the demonstration of His great power in the resurrection. In verse 21 and 22, you have the exaltation of His power. He has been exalted above all. Everything is under His feet. And in verse number 23, we'll end where we started. Look at it, please. It says that the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Here is the distribution 
Here's the distribution of his great power. Look, Jesus says, if you'll come to me, if you'll just come to me, I'll do in you what no man can do in you. I'll do in you what this world promises but can never fulfill. I'll do in you what you could never do for yourself. He said, I'll make you a partaker of the mighty power of Almighty God. Matter of fact, look at the first two words of chapter 2. I love this. First two words, and you. And you. And me. And me. A lowly sinner, a wicked man, made a partaker of the grace and the glory and the goodness and the greatness of Almighty God. How? Only through the person of Jesus Christ. And this is what I want you to take with you today. Look again at verse 23. Mark the word fullness and mark the word philom. Two very different words. Similar but different. I didn't come today to just tell you that Christ is full of grace. Look here. I came to tell you that Christ will fill you with grace. I didn't come today just to tell you Christ is full of glory. I came to tell you today Christ will fill you with all the glory of Almighty God. I didn't come just to tell you that Christ is good. You know Christ is full of all goodness. I came to tell you today that he will fill the goodness of God into our wretched hearts. Only God can do that miracle work in us. I didn't come today just to tell you that Christ is full of great power. He is, and we know that and say amen to it. I came today to say that Christ, who is full of God's great power, will fill that great power into your life. Look, please. He is the fullness, but he is the filler. Some people have this idea that someday out there yonder, somewhere in the future, we'll enjoy all the fullness of God. That's true. In fact, in this very chapter, it talks about the fullness of time, just like it came the first time in the fullness of time. Someday soon, time's going to fill up. It's going to be full. That's interesting. People say time runs out. Time doesn't run out. Time fills up. That's beautiful, see? Because with God, it's not an ending. It's a new beginning. Someday soon, time's going to fill up. And when time fills up, Jesus is going to step out on a cloud. This age is going to end. And suddenly, everything's going to change. And those who know the Lord are going to the house to enjoy the fullness of our Heavenly Father for all eternity. Anybody looking forward to that? But I want to tell you this morning, you don't have to wait till you die or Jesus comes to enjoy the fullness of God. You can know it now. If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can pray for you in some definite way, please contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. We hope you will share the message with others who may also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, please visit Dr. Scott Pauley's YouTube channel. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day, and we want to encourage you to be faithful to attend a Bible-preaching church in your area this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Pulpit, and don't miss Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday.